Albert Einstein once said, there's only two ways to live your life. One is as, it, is, as, is, is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is a miracle. If I were to ask you if you've ever experienced a miracle, I'm guessing that depending on your definition, especially if we Gets, you know, we get so focused on Jesus and the miracles that he performed. If I were to ask you, depending on your definition, some of you would say no. I've never seen a miracle. I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand back up. Come on. As you can. I know. Get your blood moving. It's all right. We like to stand and sit. Stand and sit. It's good. You're, you're used to it. Now I want you to do something. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. Feel good? All right, sit down. Guess what? You just experienced a miracle. For those of you science nerds and geeks, you're gonna, this is going to be right up your alley this morning because i got a few things for you. By the end of this sermon, you will have inhaled and exhaled approximately 250 times. Depends on how long I go. Because most of us don't give breathing a second thought, I want to help you uh, consider the journey of an oxygen atom. Yay! The journey begins when air passes through your nose where unwanted dust and debris are filtered out. Yay! The average person moves 440 cubic feet of air per day through the nose and trachea and into the lungs. The surface area of your lungs is 40 times greater than the surface area of your body, compressed within the tiny space between your ribs. Once in the lungs, the oxygen atoms hitchhike with good old hemoglobin and travel throughout the entire human body via blood vessels. If those blood vessels were laid end to end, they would be approximately 60,000 miles long. That means the blood vessels in your body could wrap around the earth two times. At the end of its journey, the oxygen atom enters individual cells, bonds with the food we eat, and releases energy. Your mind blown already? Yeah? Okay. Webster's Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary, unusual wonder or marvel. Isn't a bloodstream 60,000 miles long in this relatively small body an unusual wonder? Isn't the journey of an oxygen atom a true marvel? We don't need supernatural events to experience a miracle. All we need to do is breathe. The human breath is sacred. Cherish your breathing. It is the miracle of life. Acts 17 says that God gives all men life and breath. Job 34 says that if God were to withdraw his breath from humankind, we would return to dust. The bottom line is this. Every breath we take is a miracle. 
And if the average person takes approximately 23,000 breaths per day, guess what? That means every day you experience 23,000 miracles. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. We are surrounded by miracles. But we have a choice to make. We can live as if nothing's a miracle, or we can live as if everything is a miracle. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the invariable mark of wisdom is to see the miraculous in the common. Miracles often happen in common places. They happen in a a breath. They happen in a moment. They happen just like in our scripture in Luke. Angels, God's messengers, told the good news of Jesus' birth to a group of shepherds. It's kind of like the trash men of our day. I mean, shepherds. When we open up the scriptures, we learn that God uses angels to communicate special news. And and we see that God has used angels throughout history. They've made some important announcements to some pretty important people, including prophets and priests and kings. They've announced life and and death and victory and defeat, defeat, judgment and mercy. But the most important announcement in the history of humankind was when the angels were commissioned to announce the birth of God's Son. I can just imagine a strategy session amongst the angels in which they started brainstorming how they were going to make this particular announcement. It seems like the most important announcement ought to be made to the most important people in the most important place at the most important time. So the angels would have come up with this plan to make the announcement at the temple in Jerusalem. They would have decided to do it during one of the annual feasts where there were thousands of Jewish pilgrims from all over Israel gathered in Jerusalem, and they would have decided to let the priest in on it first. That all makes sense, complete sense. And so they're feeling good, they're feeling great. Hey, we've got a plan. When God walks into the room and makes a few minor adjustments. Instead of the temple in Jerusalem, he chooses a hillside outside of Bethlehem. Instead of an annual feast, he chooses the night shift. Instead of priest, he chooses a, uh, a, a bunch of shepherds. The angels, they, they crumple up their plan and they throw it in the trash. Well, that, we thought that was good. We take the Christmas story for granted. Most of us do because we've heard it most of our lives. But God could have announced the birth of his son any way he wanted. Why did God do it the way he did? Max Lucada has an interesting take. He says, had the angels gone to theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anybody was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to shepherds. Men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags sleeping in a feed trough. You see, God chose common, ordinary place, a common, ordinary place with common, ordinary people to share with the world the good news of Christ's birth. The story of the angels and the shepherds reminds us that if we are not careful, we might just miss a miracle. 
If we're too busy looking in the wrong place, the wrong direction, looking for a high-profile moment, a high-profile event, we might miss what God is doing right in front of us. A miracle can be as small as a breath and as huge as the birth of God's Son. We've got to expect God to work miracles anywhere and anyhow. God's announcements, announcement to the shepherds was the first sign among many that God was sending Christ not for a few or the elect or the well-off, but Christ was coming for everyone. He was coming for you. He was coming for me. He was coming for us all. It showed that God does not fit in a box. God is bigger than our plans. I find it fascinating that God didn't reveal himself first to the religious leaders. I mean, I think you have to read the rest of the Gospels to discover why, but let me give you my theory. I think the fundamental mistake the religious leaders made was trying to force God to fit in their box. Instead of being conformed to God's image, they tried to recreate God in their image. What they ended up with was a God in a box. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. Instead of celebrating the amazing miracles of Jesus, they went out and plotted to kill him. Why? Because Jesus, God, didn't fit in their box. Philip Yancey says there's two ways of looking at the world. One takes the world apart, while the other seeks to connect and put it together. He goes on to say, we live in an age that excels at the first, taking the world apart and falters at the second, putting it together. I also think there's two ways of approaching God. One approach takes God apart. We make God manageable and measurable. We reduce God to a set of propositions or, or seal-tight theologies or divine formulas. And, and I'm not suggesting that we don't put God uh, or the Scriptures under a microscope and, and study God's Word, but if we aren't careful, we will end up with a God in a box. We end up with a God who can never surprise us, never overwhelm us, never astonish us, or never transcend us. I don't know about you, but that's not the God that I serve. That isn't the God who surprised and astonished the world with the birth of Christ. I want a God, I want God to overwhelm me and to surprise me. Throughout the Gospels, we see that the religious leaders had stopped allowing God to surprise them. And they tried to put God in a box. Jesus said in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. They were so focused on one side of the law that they forgot the other. They missed the forest for the trees. They tried to pigeonhole God, but God doesn't fit in neat, nice categories. The other approach to God realizes that God cannot be dissected. Isaiah 55, 8 makes it clear as day. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. All right, science geeks, here we go. Astronomers have discovered galaxies 13.2 billion light years away. That's a long way. I don't know if you realize that. That's long. That means it takes light traveling at 186,000 miles per second, more than 12 billion years to reach the outer rims of the heavens. God says, that is about the distance between my thoughts and your thoughts. That makes you feel a little small. We underestimate God by 13.2 billion light years. Psalm 145 says, There are no boundaries to his greatness. His greatness no one can fathom. God does not fit into neat, nice boxes. God cannot be boxed in. At some point, we have got to let go of our plans and our ideas and our concepts and let God be God. And it begins with faith. You see, in order to see miracles in the common, the common and ordinary life, we have to begin with faith. And Jesus says that our faith, guess what? You know it should be like a child. I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does all this have to do with, with those shepherds? Again, God announced the birth to shepherds because they didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that saviors aren't born in cloths in feeding troughs. God is looking for people who won't tell him what he can't do, who won't put him in little religious boxes. The shepherds, They did this marvelous thing. They took God at face value. When they heard the news, they embraced it with simple childlike faith. Luke says they hurried off to see the child. They didn't wait. They didn't, you know, sit there and wonder, you know, if they should go. They didn't, you know, ask themselves, did an angel just talk to us? I mean, did that just happen? No. The scripture says they hurried off to see The child, sometimes we miss the miracle because you know what? We want to sit there and analyze it to death. You know, now faith doesn't mean we we don't ask questions. Faith doesn't mean we can't examine our beliefs, that we can't examine the scriptures. In fact, some of us should do a little bit more examination. We should do some more searching out of God, but it should be done in faith. See, faith means that we're willing to step out of our boxes. We're willing to step out of our comfort zones. Faith means that we recognize that God doesn't always work the way we think he should work. It means instead of the religious leaders, God sent his angels to lowly shepherds. Faith says that God doesn't have to send a mighty ruler to be the Savior. God can send a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a feeding trough. Faith says, I know God doesn't do the things the way I think he should do, but I praise him for it still. You see, we've got to realize 
we're the miracle. Just like the shepherds, we're just, we're just common, ordinary people from good old Meta, Georgia. Yet Christ came for you and for me. The greatest miracle is that God sent his son to die for our sins, though we are just common, ordinary people who have done absolutely nothing to deserve it. But that's how much God loves us. The question is, will we see the miracle and will we receive it for ourselves? And then once we've accepted the greatest miracle ever performed, are we going to go out and tell anybody about it? Are we going to tell anyone what God has done for plain, ordinary, common people like you and me? Look what the shepherds did once they saw the baby Jesus Luke 2, 17 and 18, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They couldn't contain the miracle they had seen. They had had to share it, and everyone who heard their message was amazed. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but, but we're God's plan A. And there is no plan B. Okay? We're God's plan A. There is no plan B. Just like the ordinary common shepherds who went out and shared the miracle of Jesus, we are called to go and share the miracle of Jesus and all he has done for us with those around us. We're called to be a witness to the miracle of Christ. And that in and of itself is a miracle. That God would partner with us to go and to share the good news of Jesus. God doesn't say you got to have everything together. Lord knows, most of us here don't. I'm just speaking for myself. We don't have it all together. He doesn't say you got to have proper theology or a seminary training or, you know, evangelism class. You don't have to know it all. All you have to do is go. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. This Christmas season, what is God doing in your life? What miracle is God working right now? He's doing something because you're breathing. What is God doing right now in your life? You may not know it. You may not realize it. You may not see it. But are you looking in the right direction? Are you looking right in front of you? God is capable of doing anything. He is not limited to the parameters that we've set for him, and he cannot be confined to a box. Perhaps all we need this Christmas is faith. Perhaps all we need this Christmas is the faith of a child, or maybe even better, the faith of a shepherd. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the witness of these shepherds who are just common, ordinary people, but who demonstrated that you came for us all. You came for us all. You died for us all. 
It truly was the greatest gift ever given. May we be willing to share that gift to also be witnesses of the birth of the Savior of the world. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.